welcome to the Hopeful Birth Podcast. I'm Jessie Shelto, your host for the next little bit while we make a new friend and hear her birth story. Birth has affected my life in profound ways, and I'm not just talking about the new little person that comes in to rock my world. Birth has shaped how I engage with my Heavenly Father, and I hope it does the same for you. So whether you're preparing for a birth and wanting to learn more about your options for moms who have been there and done that, or are processing through a previous birth, I pray that the Father makes his heart for you and your baby evident as you listen. In this episode number two, we're hearing from my good friend, Leah Cress. After multiple miscarriages, Leah was told that she would never be able to have children, but that's not the end of her story. I was personally impacted by the way Leah maintains a heart posture of gratitude toward God for the miracles she has witnessed through pregnancy, birth, and motherhood. Her daughter's name is Hope, y'all. That's pretty much all I need to say about that. Please note that we do discuss pregnancy loss in this episode, so if your heart is tender in that area right now, you may want to hold off on listening to this. Later on in the episode, we'll hear from Dana Patterson of the Doula Group. Dana is a birth and postpartum doula and childbirth educator in the upstate of South Carolina. Now, even though I'm quite the birth geek, please remember that my guests and I are not medical professionals, so continue seeing your provider and seeking their counsel for your care. But without further ado, here are Leah's birth testimonies. Hey, Leah. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jesse. Well, I'm so glad that you're able to start us off and share about your wonderful birth experiences. Um, so would you mind starting us out and introducing us to your family? Yes. So my name is Leah Cress, and my husband's name is David. We've been married almost 10 years. <laughs> Wow. And we have a five-year-old son who's, well, he's almost six, whose name is Zeke, and then a two-year-old named Ian, um, and then my one-year-old named Hope, and we are expecting another one in the next few months. Woohoo! Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Our family and two dogs, a cat, and a horse, and <laughs> that's enough for now. <laughs> Chickens to be added sometime in the future. <laughs> so will you, um, I think we're going to talk a little bit about each of your births. So do you want to start out just sharing out, finding out that you were pregnant with Zeke? Yes. So um, when I found out that I was pregnant with Zeke, my first thought was just this, this feeling of relief. And that was because prior to that, um, we had been told medically that we couldn't have children. Um, And we had, in our first year of marriage, we had had three miscarriages, just back to back. And I had gone through all sort of fertility testing um, and had been told that we would would not be able to conceive children. And so that, uh, that was a really hard part of our journey. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so yeah, when we found out we were having Zeke, we were, we were just astounded and surprised uh, that this had happened without any sort of intervention. And Mm -hmm. I mean, well, there was, I think God intervened, but medically we chose not to do anything um, to try and conceive. And so we were just surprised and elated and, uh, and so that was how I found out that we were going to have our first, first baby, um, that's with us first side. Mm. And what was that pregnancy like with Zeke? Um, well, the first part of the pregnancy was challenging because I had, I had had miscarriages early on. And so mm-hmm. it was, it was difficult not to be fearful that the same thing would happen and that this one wouldn't be any different. Um, even though it had, it was four years since I'd had my last miscarriage. Um, but it just, it felt different. Um, and, and so I had to be on different medications um, that made me feel pretty terrible, uh, but it was all very worth it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was really sick and couldn't eat very much. Uh, but I was so happy to be sick <laughs> and just really grateful to be able to experience um, pregnancy. And then each day as it went along, I just was was thankful. And I think that was what my, 
the miscarriages taught me was to trust in the Lord mm-hmm. and that children belong to him. And, and so it, it made it to where I could survive and, and live daily knowing that I could be grateful even if that baby was taken away from me because it was still a gift. Um, so that was the first part of the pregnancy. And then everything got very normal and, and it was a very boring pregnancy for a long time. <laughs> and then at 30, about 30 weeks, uh, the midwife that I was using found, um, found that he had a, a heart condition called uh, SBT where basically his heart was just beating too fast. And so we went from being a very low-key pregnancy to being a high-risk pregnancy Um, and then had to spend a good bit of time in the hospital um, taking different medications to slow my heart down, which in turn slowed his heart down. Um, And I um, I was glad to be so healthy that I could do that so that he could grow and develop more. Um, and so that was the latter part of my pregnancy that was, that part was challenging and realizing that I wasn't going to probably have the low key birth experience that I had been wanting. Mm. Yeah. And what had you envisioned that birth to look like? What, what type of birth were you planning? Yes. Oh, just an easy first time birth. (laughs) (laughs) I had the women in my family had always been uh, very relaxed about birth and that it was just a very easy experience for them. And so that's what I'd been hoping for. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was using a a group of midwives. um, And then when I, when I had to be transferred to high risk, uh, my expectations just completely changed and I, I just wanted him safe and I wanted him healthy and uh, what had once been important for having a natural birth um, was no longer as important to me. What, so will you share how your labor did end up starting with him? Cause I know that there was a little surprise, like some good things <laughs> that happened after, after you yeah. went. Yes. So it was, it was a few days before my birthday. Um, and we went in to meet with the specialist and they really wanted to induce. And so we requested that we wait as long as possible. And so I was at 39 weeks and four days. And then they, they told us, okay, that's as long as you can possibly wait. And so I went into the hospital and was induced. Um, and they were monitoring him very closely because of his heart condition and just wanting him to stay as calm as possible um, through that experience so that I could have a natural, well, a vaginal birth. Um, And because they had told me that there was about a 50% chance if I could have him vaginally, that his heart condition would correct itself upon birth and that he wouldn't have to have surgeries. And so that was, that was my big goal (laughs) that no matter what happened, I I was going to have this baby. Um, and so, so yeah, I went through induction and the first 24 hours went by (laughs) and, um, I had, when I went in, I was already dilated at four centimeters, which is one of the reasons why they felt like I would be a good candidate for induction. Um, but yeah, after the first 24 hours of Pitocin, um, I requested an epidural and, um, I, f- I remember falling asleep with that like giant bulb thing in between my legs and my poor husband was so tired and um, my leg like fell off the bed and I couldn't get it back on and I couldn't reach for the button and I'm just like calling out for someone to help like get me back on this bed. <laughs> it was, yeah, I remember that pretty distinctly. Um, and so it, it just kept going on like that and that the whole labor experience was 36 hours. Um, and then at the end, the uh, specialist who was going to help me deliver decided that things were going so well that she didn't really need or want to be present for the birth. Um, 
And so my original midwife was actually there and offered um, to help deliver, sorry, mm-hmm. to help deliver him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did the same thing I'm doing now, like just that feeling of relief that someone cares um, and wants to be there and present. Um, and so she was there for the pushing part because they just kind of sat me up in bed and said, it's time to push. And um, two hours went by <laughs> of pushing. Um, and it, it ended with a nurse jumping on my stomach and it was not, not the carefree birth experience. He was born and um, he wasn't breathing. And, and um, I just remember telling him to breathe and my husband came and talked to him and he was rushed with the whole team to help him out. And then just those seconds took years. Um, And then we heard him cry for the first time. And um, it was just, it was amazing. And um, yeah, so his, his heart was healed upon birth and that has been, just a complete miracle. Yeah. Um, we're really, yeah, really grateful for it. And after that, everything was was pretty easy. <laughs> uh, so that was my first son's birth um, and birth experience. Yeah, yeah. So that was our one and done. <laughs> uh, so there was a little trip you guys took, or you took at least initially, you and Zeke took between Zeke and Ian. And I just wanted to share with our listeners the trip that you guys took um, when Zeke was, he had just turned a year old and um, Leah and I are friends in real life, in case I haven't said that. <laughs> um, and we, my husband and I were living in Germany at the time and we're expecting our first daughter, Jane. and. I Leia just offered to fly to Germany and come stay with us for a month while we waited um, for Jane to come and she was there and I man I think there were so many weeks we were just waiting because I went post dates quite a bit with Jane <laughs> uh, and so Leia just hung out and walked with me and we took Zeke places and we did a lot of uh what did we call it? Like cave living where we would close all the shutters. Cause it was like, oh, <laughs> there's no air conditioning better go no. stand by the U-Bahn if we wanted to freeze. <laughs> Being closed in on, on the underground was pretty terrible. Um, we did it. And so if that is a, a testament to the woman, the is, I, I don't know what else is, but she was there with us for a month and her husband actually got to fly over too and spend a couple of days with us um, before they, they all went back. But it was, there were some really sweet times there. Um, but that was before Ian. So maybe that's a little segue into talking about finding out you were pregnant with Ian. Thank you, friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, those are good memories. Um, yeah. So we, um, no, we weren't, we weren't going to have any more children and we're told to enjoy our little miracle baby. Mm-hmm. And then three years later, uh, we were actually coming out of a really difficult time um, in life, really hard season, when I realized I should probably go pick up a pregnancy test. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I I went in and got a pregnancy test, and Zeke got a little sucker, and And lo and behold, we were expecting another baby. Mm. Um, Yeah, so that was just another huge surprise and um, just felt like God's like abundance and generosity. Um, I was feeling really undeserving. So yeah, that was how we found out about Ian. Mm-hmm. And at that point you guys had moved yeah. from where, from where you had had Zeke, right? So you were in That's living. Correct. Okay. Yeah. We had made um, a move from South Carolina to Virginia. And then in Virginia, we had moved, I think six times. Oh, wow. <laughs> So it was, there was a lot of moving. Um, yes. So we were not very, um, yes, we moved a lot. (laughs) Um, so it, it was a very busy season, um, in that time of life. Um, and I, I was also getting my master's at the time. So it was mentally very taxing. So yeah. 
how did, so how did preparing then from what you had known of birth, where you had given birth in South Carolina and that how Zeke's birth again had gone, did that affect how you prepared for birth, birthing Ian and all of the care provider choices and those types of things? Yes. So I, I think after Zeke's, I knew a lot of what I didn't want to do. I knew a lot of, you know, I knew what I was willing to do, um, which was pretty much anything to, um, make sure that I took care of, um, my children. Uh, but that if I had a choice, I was really hoping for a different experience and I knew that it was possible. And I just absolutely soaked up any type of birth information, happy birth, like anyone who's had a happy birth or has been able to process it well, or moms, if a mom was willing to talk with me about having a positive birth story, I would just ask them a million questions. Um, And so I, I think I sought out, I did seek out knowledge with my first, but for my second one, I just craved it. Mm -hmm. Just books, anything I could get my hands on. Um, And I, um, I prayed a lot of scripture in that time um, and started to try and claim some of God's promises that he has for us and realize, Oh, some of these, they apply to having children and Mm -hmm. they apply to our lives. And it doesn't say I'll give you peace or I'll, I'll give you a sound mind and power and um, a spirit of love and not fear, except for in childbirth. (laughs) So that when I realized, no, it doesn't say that. um, And I could claim some of those things for my own. I think that's what I did differently for Ian's. And so for just the practical side, the care, there was um, a birth center, not five minutes away from our home at that time. And so I, uh, I sought out their care and they were willing to take me, um, even after all the complications with having Zeke. Um, yeah. So that was the, the care that I chose in that time. Mm-hmm. So I imagine labor with Ian then started a little bit different than it had. With- <laughs> it did. <laughs> um, with Ian, he, um, his pregnancy was different in that he was very low mm-hmm. the whole time. And so the side effects of his pregnancy were different. <laughs> um, yeah. So the labor itself um, actually had kind of a false labor because I ended up having um, kidney stones. Oh, wow. And so I thought I was in labor and we went to the birth center and then nothing was really happening, but I was just in a ton of pain. Um, and it was, it just wasn't very, it wasn't normal. And so after like a day of that, I thought, oh no, here we go again. Like this is, this is just going to be rough. Um, and so we went to the hospital and turns out I was having kidney stones and not a baby. Um, so after, after that passed, I had another week of, um, being pregnant, (laughs) um, and then, uh, I can't remember really how it all started. It was all very quick. So, which was very different. There wasn't this big preparation. Um, and so I, I just remember being at home and thinking, I don't know if I'm in late or not. I'm, I've, I had really early prodromal labor, I believe it's called, where you're, you're dilated at like four plus centimeters and a face like over 80% and you just walk around and do life normal. Like Mm -hmm. it just, that was one of the things that they checked when I had my kidney stone is they said, Oh, it looks like you're in labor. And I said, Oh, well, but they said it was an active labor. Mm -hmm. So they checked me several times after that. And I just was walking around in early labor for weeks. And, and so I just didn't know, okay, when is this actually going to start? Like the real deal. (laughs) When are the good ones is what I used to call them. When are the good ones coming? Um, And so my husband came home from work and for when he came home, it was like this. I call Mr. Oxytocin. (laughs) It's like, okay, I can relax now. You're here. Um, And so I had a, um, my 40 week appointment with my midwives 
And so he was coming with me to the appointment because I just felt like I needed him. And so we took our son, Zeke, to a friend's house. And and when we started driving there, I just started having these huge, what I, I mean, it just felt like everything was being hugged inside really tight. And I had to focus. And then my husband forgot how to get there. And so I'm trying to like focus on my body and like, what what's happening body? I don't know. And I'm trying to give him directions and we're being really frustrated that he was bad on directions. <laughs> uh, like he, I mean, he got lost. We had to get on the interstate and it was a, yeah, a five minute drive turned into a lot longer drive. And so we got there to the birth center and I walked in and we just talked for a little bit. And then I asked them, so will you guys check me just to see kind of what I am, where we are? And the midwife checked me and she said, well, you're at nine centimeters and totally effaced. Why don't you stay and have a baby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that's, I just started laughing at her because I couldn't, I just couldn't believe that I was already at that point mm-hmm. in labor. Cause I just been just talking and walking around and going about daily life. Um, and so I stayed, <laughs> we didn't leave. <laughs> Um, and in about, I don't know, 30 minutes from that time, everything just hit really fast. Mm-hmm. I got in the birth tub and I, I thought, okay, yeah, I really am having a baby. Um, but in between this, like those really intense moments, I was just talking with my husband and we were laughing and it was a really fun experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like we were so giddy, like, oh, we're going to get to meet him. And my body was so ready to not feel so like heavy burdened. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I hit transition and things were really intense. Um, and I burst, burst his head in the tub. And then the midwife had asked the, the midwife in training to take over. She felt like things were going to, she wanted her to take over and experience being in charge. Um, and so the, the midwife in training after his head was born, she asked me to get out. I think she was concerned, um, but I didn't ask. So she asked me to get out of the tub. So I climbed out of the birthing tub after mm. birthing his head Whew. and um, got on the bed. And I remember just having those rushes of like, oh my gosh, she's stuck. Like, why did they ask me to get out? And they were all looking at me and they weren't talking and the atmosphere changed really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was this huge, um, just remembering my first birth experience and being jumped on. And, um, and that was the moment where I felt like, Oh, I can't do this. Um, and then the next, with the next like push, he was born. Mm-hmm. So like the whole experience from the minute I arrived for my, checkup appointment until he was born was 45 minutes. Um, so yes, he was born (laughs) and he was Zeke. I was eight pounds, 10 ounces and like 21 inches. And then Ian was nine pounds and 21 and a half inches. And his head was 14 and a half in circumference. (laughs) And so the midwife was like, Oh, well, no wonder why that it happened like that. Um, but, but yeah, so it was just a great celebration and that was, that was his birth and I was so relieved he was born. (laughs) (laughs) We were there for like an hour and then we went home. Wow. Just went, my husband said it was faster than doing like a pizza delivery. (laughs) 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 So yeah, that was our second son. What, what was his, what was the postpartum recovery like for Ian compared to? Oh my gosh. Yes. That I'm so glad you asked that. So with Zeke, I had had an episiotomy, um, about as far as one can have one. And I didn't, I didn't take very good care of myself afterwards. I don't think I understood how to. Um, and so I actually retore several times and had to get restitched. And so with Ian, I was, I was bound and determined not to do that again. <laughs> um, and 
so recovery wise, I just, I felt so much better. Like I didn't have anything that I needed to get out of my system. Pitocin had just made me feel terrible. Um, and I'm, I'm really sensitive to any type of medication. So it, the Pitocin on top of the, the medication to make my heart go slower for my first birth just took a long time to get out of my system. Mm. Whereas with my second, it, I didn't have any of that. Um, and so recovery was just great. I mean, I, the minute I had him, I looked at my husband and said, I could do that again. Like that was, that was 15 minutes of really hard work. And then I realized, Oh, I just said that was 15 minutes of hard work. Like I can do that to get a human here like that. Mm-hmm. We can do that. <laughs> so yeah, recovery was wonderful. And I was, um, I was back to riding horses within six weeks okay. and, um, yeah, my body just felt great and I could take care of my older child and, um, it just made, made a lot more sense to me. Um, yeah, recovery was awesome. Felt like I could climb a mountain. That was the other thing I told him <laughs> after <laughs> her second, I, like, I could climb a mountain. This feels wonderful. <laughs> yeah, you know, never tell him what you're going to say after you have a baby. <laughs> so then it was a few months later (laughs) and you guys found out that you were expecting again we did we uh we realized then that we could have children (laughs) (laughs) yes indeed (laughs) yes but but god had decided to do a permanent uh healing on my body Mm -hmm. and um, yeah when i had to um stop nursing my son Ian because of some complications um, when he was six or seven months old. But then I I got pregnant with our third child as soon as I stopped nursing. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I I told my husband, I'm pregnant. And he said, but you don't get pregnant easily. (laughs) (laughs) False. That's right. So he'll never say that again. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So that it was, it was all a bit, um, yeah, a bit shocking. I, it just didn't seem real. I told you about riding horses. I was trained doing some track training with one of my horses and trying to get him back into shape to compete. And so my brain was just in a very different place and I wasn't sick, um, which I had been very sick with the last two. And the only like reason I knew to check was because my riding clothes weren't fitting. (laughs) (laughs) So, so that made me feel better that there was a reason. Yeah. And then was your pregnancy with, with hope in any way similar or different rather than just not noticing the sickness as much? Yeah. So the sickness was much more mild in the beginning. Um, and then I had some, um, and I, I think some of that just had to do with trying to keep up with other children in the midst of being pregnant. Um, but she was just so much more gentle. <laughs> <laughs> the, the pregnancy itself was so much easier. Uh, she wasn't as big. And so it just was very, very normal. And, and I went with the same midwifery group that I'd had my son Ian with. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I started doing more chiropractic care with her. Mm-hmm. And so I think that helped with some of the, the other issues that I had had previously, just physically not feeling as well. I think that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. And were there any, any types of, I guess, books or resources that you found helpful in preparing for her birth? I know they, they were closer together. So maybe some of that was still fresh, but <laughs> it, it was, I, Yes. In that, in one aspect, that was really nice that they were so close. Cause I felt like I remembered everything I was supposed to do. And, it, and then in the other aspect, it was like, but I just did this. <laughs> so yes, I did read um, specifically Ina May's books mm-hmm. have been really positive in just showing what normal is. Uh, I did read through Birthing from Within Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. some of the hypnobirthing books. And with those and with all of the birth information, I just tried to take what I think would be helpful Mm -hmm. Um, Mm because some of it, it was just a bit too much for me mentally 
um, that I, I didn't feel like it, it would help me in those times. Um, a transition specifically is what I was really searching for help with because that was the part that I, I was fearful or I felt out of control. Um, and I didn't want that for any of the experience and, and reading stories about how women caught their babies was really inspiring to me. And that there are times when, when, when you can do that and you can deliver your baby. And so just that, that feeling of that you don't need someone to deliver you Mm -hmm. really connected with me. And that was what I started to hope for, um, for her birth is that, I could do it and I would have support team, but that I would be the one delivering my child. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was what was different at mm-hmm. first. And I also in that time, I met several women uh, who had all had eight or more children. <laughs> oh, wow. And so I just started asking them a lot of questions and it was, birth was such a normal part of their life. And so it it took away some of that fear. It was like, oh yeah, we actually are supposed to do this or can do this and my body can do it. And, uh, and one of them had very fast births, like 20 minutes or less. And, um, and so she was really willing to answer questions and just how she handles that. Cause you go through trying to be patient and willing to go beyond 40 weeks. Mm-hmm. But then what do you do when it, I mean, it just, it's happening now. Um, and how do you prepare for that? And so she was, she was very helpful um, speaking with her. Were there any particular recommendations that she made that you took to heart to? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, she recommended staying in a place of worship mm-hmm. and that it wasn't, it wasn't that you just enter into worship and then you come out of it and get your life done mm-hmm. and over with. Um, and so that was one thing that was, that was helpful um, was really just staying in touch with the Lord yeah. um, and not feeling like it had to be a big production or that you had to do it all, but that he would provide um, all of the power that you needed uh, all of the, the peace that you needed. And if there were times that you needed support that, that he would provide the people as well in the right words. So that was one of the things that she said and that she didn't have it right all the time. Mm. And, and that was a big relief for me because I started to feel like all oh, these women obviously must know what they're doing because they keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were so humble and the whole point was not to get it right and to feel like you were the conqueror of birth and could could tell everyone that you were a perfect birther, um, that that wasn't even what it was about, but could you glorify the Lord through this experience um, and that he would use it even if it wasn't what you wanted it to be. Yeah, so that was a lot of her advice. Mm-hmm. And then how did how did you end up going into labor this third time? Yes. Yeah. So lots of prodromal labor. It was, I mean, it was at least three weeks of it. And, and that I've I've become really grateful for because it mentally prepares you to just to stop and think, okay, yeah, I am going to have a baby because as you're watching your other children, uh, for me, sometimes I forget that I'm pregnant (laughs) and days can go by and I, I haven't thought about it. And then I go, oh, I kind of need to prepare my heart, soul, and mind and body for this <laughs> big thing that's going to happen. Um, yeah. So that was, that was hope, trying to get prepared for, for having her. And, and so, yeah, lots of prodromal labor. And then I really didn't want to have a car birth <laughs> <laughs> since I knew it was going to be fast and our, our birth center was really close. And so one of the midwives in particular really understood just how, how we both thought that the birth would go mm-hmm. um, and tried to ease my mind of, you know, if you think you're going to have a baby, call me. It doesn't matter if you do or you don't. I'd rather know right. and not have you at, like at the doorstep having a baby and I'm 20 minutes away. Yeah. So we, we actually, it was, I think I was at 40 weeks or just past 40 weeks and we realized, oh, we haven't even taken like a picture of me pregnant yet. And so we all like piled on the bed and we're trying to take pictures with our other kids climbing around and we're just talking and having fun. 
And then my husband, I know you know this, but he loves to have dance parties. (laughs) (laughs) Our kids like techno disco dance music. And we were in living in this really tiny house. And I told him like, I just want to go lay down for this one. Like you go, you guys go dance. And so they were dancing and having a party. And I just, I felt really tired, but like, maybe I'm, maybe this is starting to become real. Um, as far as the consistent weeks of contractions. <laughs> um, and so I texted my mid- midwife and said, Hey, I don't know if this is happening or not, but just heads up, like, don't leave. <laughs> don't go, <laughs> don't go away. And at that point too, um, I remember you were going to come visit mm-hmm. and um, it ended up your kids were sick. And so it wasn't, it didn't happen. And so we didn't really have much of a backup plan. <laughs> what to do with our other kids. Um, and so one of our friends uh, offered their teenage daughter to come over. Um, and so she came over just to spend the night, just in case it was going to pick up. And after that, I think that for me was the piece I needed to be able to go into the real, real labor. And so about midnight, I went to bed and about midnight, I woke my husband up and said, Hey, let's just go in. Like, I'm. Um, I don't want to sleep through this anymore. I need to be somewhere. I think I could have a baby and, and then I'll either, you know, fall asleep and we'll wake up in the morning and no big deal, or we'll have a baby, but either way I need to not be here. Um, and so we went into the birth center and nothing happened like the whole drive there. And I was just thinking, Oh no, I've woken all these people up and in the middle of the night, and nothing's going to happen. And they were so carefree about it and just, yeah, you just go to bed. And so we fell back asleep at the birth center. And then I guess it was 2.30. Yeah, 2.30 in the morning. Um, so we'd been asleep for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of nice. It was like a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> a nice, clean room. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, just time with my husband. It was, I mean, he was snoring, but it was great. <laughs> Uh, and so about 2.30, I sat up and my water broke. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember saying, I'm not ready for this. Like, <laughs> I thought this wasn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was, it, he called the midwife in. She woke up. Everyone had been asleep. And, and so it was just huge contractions. And they were trying to fill up the birthing tub as fast as possible because I really wanted like a whole water birth, like not mm-hmm. just her head. um and so I got in the tub as soon as possible and I felt like I was birthing in a puddle (laughs) it just wasn't it wasn't filling up um so within I guess it was 15 minutes yeah I just transition hit and it was so intense um and I I remember trying to just be more purposeful with my sounds Mm -hmm. And that was something that I had wanted to do different was that if I was going to be really vocal, I wanted it to be just really purposeful. Yeah. I remember talking to the Lord a lot (laughs) and talking to her. That was something that changed through the different birth stories is it wasn't, wasn't something that was happening to me. Mm -hmm. It was something I was doing with my baby Mm -hmm. and with God and we were partnering. And so it was listening to all of us. And yeah, so she, she came very shortly after, um, it was just a few pushes. And once I felt her head, um, all the contractions stopped. And that was the part that I didn't kind of understand about my body, um, was when labor was that intense and that fast. And when they dropped through the birth canal like that, um, that sometimes the uterus just takes time to catch up. Um, and so my midwife told me, she was like, look, this is, this is your moment. This is what you've been waiting for and have been wanting to, to do, to know that you, you are capable. And that was what I needed to hear. Um, and she said, you can push this baby out. You don't need your contractions. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I, like, I felt like I needed someone to tell me what to do. And in that moment I realized, no, I don't like, I'm, I'm having this baby and I'm, she's coming out like (laughs) now. (laughs) And so it was two or three pushes. I hadn't even pushed up until then. I just tried to work with what my body was doing. And then when my body didn't do anything, (laughs) I thought, okay, this is, we're doing this. Um, yeah. And so 
I birthed her in the water and pulled her up and held her. And I just remember thanking the Lord and like telling her we did it. Like Mm. we did it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just so elated and laughing and happy. And um, it's just the most ecstatic feeling to get to fulfill some of those dreams and to give my daughter a birth story like that. Mm. I didn't realize how much that mattered to me. Mm. That is a powerful inheritance. Yeah. Yeah. And I just feel really undeserving of it um, and would have been content without it. Yeah. And so it has felt like a gift. Mm. Yeah. So that was my daughter hope and recovery was awesome with her. Yeah. I had family come and help and stay and, and that was, that was great. So I think that what's so beautiful about your stories is just as you, we were talking about how to best share the, the three different ones that the sequence of the, the story that the Lord was writing in you as he would just from mm. Zeke to Ian and then to hope that just in a way, like he's just like, I'm, I'm going to show off for Leia right here. Mm. Just in his walking with you spiritually, physically, and then, it's incredible. Well, it has, it's been so humbling because I didn't, I, I didn't ever want to get married. <laughs> I didn't want to have children. I didn't think very much of motherhood growing up. I thought it was, it was something really lowly and, um, and God has been using it to really change my heart. And I've married someone who loves children and that, I mean, our first date, he told me he wanted between two and 20 kids. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, oh, is this guy polygamous? <laughs> uh, yeah, like how many wives do you want? <laughs> and uh, just one <laughs> so, is the answer. <laughs> but he has a heart for children. And so God brought someone into my life that if I was going to love him, I was going to have to embrace his dream or not have to, I could have not embraced his dream. And then when we felt like we weren't going to have that, mm-hmm. um, I, I went from being someone that was, I didn't think very much of motherhood mm-hmm. to realizing, Oh, these women who have children, they're, they're honored. Mm-hmm. The children really are a gift. And if God doesn't want to give them, you may not have them. Mm-hmm. And and I had completely taken it for granted. Um, and so it, it's been a huge lesson in submission. And even that word like has taken me years to get over, but realizing that I'm, I'm giving my life to a good God and I'm doing this with a good husband and it's, I feel really blessed by it. And, and even now being pregnant again, I have to remind myself every time like, Oh yeah, this is a gift. God is here. God is present. He's the provider in all of this. And if I'm willing, he's going to just show up. Yeah. So that is, it has been quite a journey and people ask me all the time, how many kids you're going to have? And I've learned, I don't say, because <laughs> 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 obviously I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's good at that heart changing stuff for sure. Yes. And I'm stubborn as can be. And this is how he has chosen to just show me more of him. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's been very humbling and very rewarding. There's nothing else that has taught me as much as having children and learning how to give your life for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Preach. (laughs) Oh, it's, I can't tell these stories without mentioning God. Yeah. Cause it just, it would, it would be a lie. Um, otherwise. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing all three oh. of those stories with us. Thank you for asking. It's fun to remember all of those things. Yeah. It's, it's amazing when hearing women share their stories and even just in some ways it does feel far away. Like Zeke's almost six, but that at the same time, that was just yesterday and mm the memories that you have of it are so sharp. Yeah, they are. I've heard some women say that their birth memories are very foggy, but for me, it feels like yesterday. I just Mm -hmm. had each one of them. Mm -hmm. 
Like I can, it just all comes back and yeah, it helps make me brave to do it again, (laughs) to remember those things. So before we wrap up, do you have any maybe specific encouragement or general also Mm -hmm. uh, for (laughs) women who are maybe preparing for pregnancy, maybe women who are in the same place that you were of not seeing motherhood as a calling, as a calling or um, women who are currently pregnant or recovering from pregnancy and birth? Mm. I would say, I would say to the new mom or any mom or pregnant woman to, to not be afraid to be an advocate for yourself. Mm. Like read, read all the books, ask the questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions to your provider. And if your provider's not the right person, find someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you, you feel like it's not right, then that's okay. Um, and that was for my first realizing, Oh, I, I need to be the one saying I can do this. And I really was hoping someone else would say that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just to, to be your own advocate and, and give grace to your husband. Cause he's never done this either. Mm-hmm. Um, and know that he's not going to get it all right. Uh, and make sure you're able to voice your expectations to him of what you want him to do. Yeah. I think that would be my advice. And then I think to ask yourself, what does God think about this? That sometimes we can get kind of wrapped up in how we feel and not that those feelings aren't valid or important, but just asking the Lord, Hey, what do you, what do you actually think about this? And that sometimes that heart change will help you more than anything. Mm-hmm. What was the other one you were saying? Oh, recovering from pregnancy. That one was it. I I would say that each one can be different, Mm. that just because you had one experience and it went one way, it doesn't mean that it has to go that way, especially if it was a negative experience, that each one can be new and different and there can be redemption anywhere. Mm, That's great. Yeah. Thank you, Leah. Oh, thank you so much, Jesse. And I hope that we can have you on again in the future once this <laughs> new little nugget gets here. Oh, yes. Yeah, give me a few months. <laughs> Get them here. <laughs> All right. Thanks, friend. Oh, thank you so much. Now it's time to meet the birth worker. I'm sitting down with Dana Patterson to hear more about her work as a doula and childbirth educator. Hey, Dana. Thanks so much for joining us. Would you mind introducing yourself and telling us where you serve and what services you offer? Yes. Thank you so much, Jesse. I'm so excited to get to chat with you a few minutes. So I'm Dana Patterson. I own the doula group and we're located here in the upstate of South Carolina. Um, We offer in-person support and in the upstate and we offer virtual support for anyone in the U.S. Uh, We also offer postpartum support and childbirth education. Awesome. Would you mind also sharing what you love about being a doula? Well, I love birth. (laughs) It's my favorite topic. But in regards to being a doula, I just, I love being able to come along the side of family and help them navigate through their birth. Um, You know, it's great when birth goes according to the birth plan, but, you know, when a birth takes a detour, being able to help them navigate around that detour and still get back on the path, which is having a safe and healthy birth. Mm. Why do you think having a birth doula is valuable? So I think it's valuable for the birth mother and for her partner because their support differences, their support needs are different. And, you know, the mother is going to need support for comfort measures, being reminded on breathing. And for the partner, a doula is going to help give the partner confidence to support, you know, the mother. And also a much needed break because sometimes partners forget to eat. They don't have time to sleep. But when you have a doula, you know, the partner can be rested and nourished. So Mm -hmm. definitely a lot of reasons um, that having a doula is valuable. Mm -hmm. And what type of childbirth education um, do you recommend and why do you think that it's important? Okay, Jesse, I'm a little bit biased on this question. Um, (laughs) So I think evidence-based birth 
childbirth classes are the absolute best. Um, but I am also an instructor, which is why I'm a little bit biased. But when I was looking into a new program to start teaching, I felt like it was the absolute best. And the reason is because not only do you get a good medical foundation, but it also, you know, teaches comfort measures, including acupressure. It teaches advocacy. So the partners are going to be equipped to be able to talk to providers and advocate on behalf of the birthing mother. And, you know, we talk about, you know, evidence versus opinion. And what does the research say? So, you know, I feel like that it equips them on so many different levels. And another benefit is that because you're, you've got over 14 hours of recorded content, you can actually go back and rewatch that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the mother and her partner, they're learning this together. Mm -hmm. And so I have found that dads are so informed and they are much more confident when they show up for a birth um, just because they went through this class. Mm -hmm. So is it a hybrid model of trainings, um, like video trainings along with in-person trainings or how do, how do you, how does that go? So pre-COVID, it was hybrid. Okay. We did the first and last class in person and the four middle sessions were through Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to the video content. Since COVID happened last year, evidence-based birth um, instructed us that we needed to change the format to be completely online through Zoom. And once things settle down with COVID, we will be going back to the in-person, but right now all six sessions are through Zoom. And it's honestly working out great. Awesome. So would you mind sharing how someone could get in touch with you? Absolutely. The easiest way is my website and it's very easy. The Awesome. Thank you, Dana, so much. Thank you, Jesse. I hope you have a great day. You too. Bye. Hey friends. Thanks for joining me today. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple podcasts or whatever podcast platform you use. Don't forget to check out my website at hopefulbirth.com, where, if you're interested, you can make a request to share your birth story on a future episode. Thanks for listening.